Okay, everyone. Good. Good evening. Welcome. Tonight's class is should be dedicated to my uncle, my father dedicated to my uncle. The art site was this week. Eliezer, Yehuda, Ben, Rabruvein Hakoy. My uncle passed away a couple of years ago on Zion Adar, the day of Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday and Petira, a very special day. Anyway, so it'd be Elias Neshama for my uncle and didn't have any children, so special required for schus for him. And um, yeah, it should be uh, a for him and bring a lot of bracha down here. He should come back here. Um, I miss him very much, a very special uncle of mine, full of life, full of such always so humorous and so beautiful human being. So, Eliezer Yehuda ben Ruben, Okay. We are ready to go. So we learned the Mimer years ago, and I and I looked at my website, I don't even find it on the, on the website. This is like the stuff that I taught years ago, they're not even on the website. It's like terrible. I have to go and find so many memorandum that I have recorded, and I haven't even got them on the website. So that really annoys me so much. But okay, we'll find them one day. They're they're there, they exist somewhere. <laughs> This week in the parasha, we have this, we have the mitzvah that Aaron, the high priest, the Kayan Gadol, should light the menorah. And it was kind of, even though Aaron was the one who lights the menorah, because we're building the Mishkan in these. And last week we built uh, the most of the Mishkan, and um, uh, this week we build the we we, we the, the the mitzvah is to create the garments for the Kohen. So we focus on the Kohanim, and um, but right in the beginning of the parsha. It talks about create of, of producing the oil, the oil that will be used to light the menorah. And who's going to light it? Aaron is going to light it. Aaron Akon. So this is the first time in the Torah, first of all, we're seeing Aaron playing a major role. Till now, uh, we have Moshe mainly. Moshe and Aaron together taking the Jews out of Egypt, but Aaron doesn't come into focus. But over here, the Atatzav's um, so in the beginning, so in the beginning, so it's interesting because it starts off that Hashem tells Moshe, you command the Jewish people, they should bring the oil to you. And then the verse says, but who's going to light it? Aaron and his children are going to light it. So it gets the first mention that specifies Aaron as the role of Kohen Gadol is by together with the lighting of the menorah. I don't think there is any mention of it before then in the Torah. And Aaron's avodah in lighting the menorah was done in the evening and, 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 and in the morning. In the evening, there was the mitzvah of lighting the menorah. They would light it. When we say in the evening, it means before sunset. The menorah was lit. It had to be done during the daytime. Not like our Hanukkah menorah that we light precisely after sunset. That was lit before sunset. But its purpose was to burn all night long. In the morning, there was another mitzvah. Um, and that was the mitzvah of Hatava Saneris. Hatava Saneris, according to most opinions, means preparing the lamps, taking out, making the lamps good by taking out the old wicks and the leftover oil that might be left over, cleaning it out, and putting in new oil and the new wick. And that's called Hatava Saneris. According to the Rambam, actually, Hatava Saneris, they also lit it in the morning. Cohen would light the menorah twice, once in the morning and once again in the evening, according to Rambam. But most opinions hold, in the morning he didn't light it, he only 
prepared the menorah. It's called Batava Saneros. And this mimer is going to give us the inside scoop of what this mitzvah was of Aaron lighting the menorah. And the idea over here is just awesome. I didn't learn this well at all. At all, at all, at all. Well, we'll learn together. Hopefully Hashem will have mercy on us and the, who, uh, it will, the menorah will light up. He's explaining in the mimer something very, very special. He's explaining that Aaron HaKohen is the one whose job is to bring the, the menorah, the lamps, usually sometimes we say the lamps are the souls. And many, many mimers and many dis discourses, it discusses the lamps because Nera Nishmasadam, the soul of a man, is called a lamp. In this mimer, he's going to call that mitzvahs are the lamps because it says kiner mitzvah. Every mitzvah is a ner. A mitzvah is a lamp. Aaron's job is to elevate the mitzvah. What does it mean to elevate the mitzvah? The mitzvah is very physical. Every mitzvah is a physical action. Giving a dollar to a tzedakah. Visiting someone in the hospital. Uh, doing other, some kind of a, you know, running a chore for your parents. The mitzvah of kibbutz aim. Um, you know, uh, making kiddush Friday night on a, on a cup of wine. The mitzvah. Putting on tefillin. Putting, fixing a mezuzah. These are all... So we're going to have Purim, we're going to light, read the Megillah. These are all physical mitzvahs that we do within the physical world. Lifting up the mitzvahs means connecting the physical mitzvah to its godly spiritual source. And not only connecting, which means that in the physical mitzvah, we should sense and feel the infinite light of the mitzvah. That's the idea. In the physical mitzvah should be sensed the spiritual illumination and light of that mitzvah, which translates into the experience of super joy when we do a mitzvah. And that connection, that's Aaron's job. Aaron's job is supposed to make Judaism full of life and joy because we are operating the mitzvahs in the material, physical world. Our souls are inhabited in physical bodies. And it's very possible that we don't experiencing, we don't experience anything outside of the physical actions that we're doing. We're not tuning in to the unbelievable dynamics of the spirit of the mitzvah, the light of the mitzvah, which would make us joyous. I mean, you can do mitzvahs and be happy in the fact that, but you know, doing the mitzvah, you're doing the right thing. That's a joy. But that's not explosive joy. You don't become like, like explode with joy. I'm ready to dance, like dance and dance and dance just because you know you're doing the right thing. Doesn't doesn't cause that joy, or even knowing that you're going to get olam haba, the world to come, from doing the mitzvah. All right, it's tomorrow, a long time from now, it's going to come olam haba. If you're excited about it, it's something that's happening now. And what we're going to learn is the real idea of simcha shel mitzvah is that the soul senses the divine joy of the mitzvah, the divine ecstasy, and that ecstasy is you know kind of touches the soul. And it gives it such a thrill and such a pleasure and such a delight that it fires up the soul with incredible joy. And that, obviously, for us to feel that when we're physical human beings, we need assistance. We need someone who empowers us to do that. And that is the unique neshama of Aaron HaKohen, the high priest, when we had a temple. We had that for today's days that Tzaddik plays the role of the Kohen Gadol, as we know. So the tzaddik is that one. That's why people would always go to tzaddikim because it would help them enjoy being a Jew. Everything enjoy. 
to feel the joy of being a Jew, to feel the simcha of doing a mitzvah. And a Rebbe, a tzaddik, especially a tzaddik, who has within his neshama the same etymology of Aram, he has the same spiritual source of Aram. Tzaddikim are connected to Moshe and Aram and so on and so forth. These tzaddikim enable us to channel the mystical spiritual side of the mitzvah down into the material world and thereby igniting simcha mitzvah. That's the gist and the root of the mimer and a lot amongst them. That's awesome. Love and understand So this is mimer, by the way, this is in the back of Torah or for those of you who want to follow in the Sefer Torah or I was waiting for this week because it was the one of the only left Maimarim that I didn't teach in the entire book. So this is on page Kufiud. It's not within the main section of the book. It's in the additions that are added in the back. Because all the Maimarim of Pashat in the main part of the book we finished. This is the additions in the back. There's one Maimarim of Pashat called Lohavin Shoshay Hadzvaramanal. This is this Maimarim. So it's a mimer that's based on another mimer, which we learned years ago. And this is coming to, like as I explained many times, it's coping to open up the engineering of the mimer and uncover the spiritual dynamics, the Kabbalistic elements that make up the chasidus that was said by the Alterim. Okay, let's read. I will to understand the root of the matters above. On this verse that says that you should command the Jewish people. Now, the mimer is also going to explain Moshe's role. There's Moshe's role and there's Aaron's role. We know that Moshe and Aaron were two brothers and they served as the communicators between the divine and the world. Between the divine and the Jewish people. The sages use a very, very special term for Moshe and Aaron that they are the escorts of the marriage. When a chassan and a kala, when a groom and a bride are getting married, they need to be escorted to the chuppah. For that, they need what's called shushvinin. When they call it today in the modern, and they call the bridesmen and the uh, the brides, what is it called? Bridesmaid? Or what do they call it? And the, and the groom's man, the groom's what? The bridesmaid and the groom's what? Man. Okay. So it's the idea that the groom is being brought. So what does that mean? So he's going to explain over here that there is a, that the both the bride and the groom, because of the newness of the of their of their marriage, they're a little, they're a little shy. They're a little, you know, uh, intimidated by the awesomeness of their going to now live their lives together forever. So they need a little encouragement. Uh, and that's what the these these shushvinen and our marriages we know it's usually the father of the of the, and the parents of the of both the groom and the bride they escort them to the chuppah. Moshe and Aaron were escorting Hashem into his marriage and us into the marriage. Moshe is the main God's escort, and Aaron is our escort. And that's why the Zohar says that Aaron is called shushvina de matrenusa. He is the shushvina. He is the he is the unterfeer. He is the escort of the of the bride of the queen. Now the Mimer is going to explain that both Moshe and Aaron are both divine beings who are incorporated in physical bodies. They're both agents and extensions of some kind of divine phenomenon. Even Aaron, who's meant to lift us up to God, the reason he's able to do that is because he's also one of God's one of Hashem's inner circle. And because of that, he can bring us in. But the main job of Aaron is the lifting of us up. 
The main job of Moshe is the descent of the divine into the into the world. He, that's what he's going to explain. So that's why we saw in the menorah as well. Aaron is the one who lights the menorah, but who's the one who gives us the oil? Who's going to hand Aaron the oil? Moshe. Because it says the Jewish people should bring to Moshe the oil. It doesn't say if Aaron is one lighting the menorah, let Aaron bring the oil. No, the oil has to come from Moshe. But the lighting of that, of those lamps, that's Aaron's job. So let's understand that. Understand the root of, the, of these above mentioned in Yon on the verse you should command the Jewish people. The root of Aaron, which Aaron is called. He is the escort of the bride of the queen. I know. So, what does that mean spiritually? This indicates and this represents the idea. Elevating the bride represents elevating the Jewish souls, but it also means every elevation of every entity that is being elevated to God, which we know that there is a concept called sparks of holiness. Rabbi Michi is here, so we are very, very excited. So, uh, there is a idea, there's a copy right over there. There is an idea that um, there are sparks of holiness, and those sparks of holiness are elevated through all the good deeds we do. Through all the good deeds we do, we elevate sparks of holiness. So every spark needs an escort. The spark cannot go up on its own. A spark needs an escort. And that's the idea. When we do the mitzvah, we are releasing a spark from bondage because there are sparks of holiness in everything. Through the mitzvah, we allow the spark to reconnect to its source. and But to help the spark up and for it to unify with its divine source, it needs an escort. And that's Aaron's job. Elevating, so he's elevating our souls, but he's also elevating the soul that exists in everything towards Hashem. So he's called Shoshvina de Matrinusa. He's called the Shoshvina, the escort of the bra. He is the one who helps out with the elevation of Aresh Peches That's the number Kabbalistically associated with the super sparks that initially broke and fell, the 288. Aaron is the one who elevates them. This is the meaning. When you will, it doesn't say, simply it should say, when you light the menorah, it doesn't say that. When you elevate the lamps, because the lamp, it's, it's not just lighting a flame. You can say Lighting lamps is elevating because you're causing fire to go up. Yeah, but you have an easier way of saying it. Light the menorah. Why does it say elevate? Because there's something much deeper over here. When you're doing a mitzvah, which the mitzvahs are the lamps, you're elevating a spark. The tool now is disconnected, and now you're reunifying it with, with, with the infinite, with God. And, 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 and that elevation process is called bahaloischa. You're elevating. And the neirois and the lamps, those are the mitzvahs. Like it says, kiner mitzvah, that every mitzvah is a neir. Now to understand the above mentioned, he makes it, so it says in the apostle, the Torah tells you where Aaron should do this avoda. I think it's in this week's parasha. Actually, when in the parasha of the neirois, it tells you who, when, where, Gives you all the all the information. Very short, 
two psukim, and it gives you everything, all the information. And one of the important things it tells you is where it should be done. The menorah is lit. It's lit in the holy temple, in the base of Mingdash. Where in the base of Mingdash? In the inner sanctuary. But in the sanctuary itself are two rooms. There is the holy of holies, and then there is the holy. So, and what divides what divides between them is a partition called a parochas. And the Pasik says that where should Aaron arrange the lamps? He should arrange them outside of the partition, which means that the menorah stood not in the inner room, it stood in the outer room. Only the ark stood in the inner room. But this was in the outer room. And the Pasik emphasizes where should he arrange it? The outer room, but the, how does it describe the outer room? The room that's outside of the partition. So he's explaining there's something very deep over here. Where are there sparks of holiness that need to be elevated? They're all outside of the partition. On a level that's before the partition, everything is unified with God. Nothing is disconnected. What's the partition? The partition is the divine filter that God creates. Many, many filters, many, many screens and filters that block from the creations his all-pervading truth. So from God's perspective, his all-pervading truth, he is the reality of everything. It's all him and he's everything. But that's as he is and as he sees the world totally unified with him. But as it is experienced at our end, we feel ourselves separated, disconnected. And that state of separation is brought about through a filter. And many filters, but one primary filter is the filter that exists between the world of the divine, which is Atsilus, the first of the four worlds, and then the three lower worlds, Kobri, Atsir, and Asiya, that is already, they're considered past the filter, past the screen. So the whole concept of elevating sparks are only outside of the parochas. So the parochas means two things. Its physical manifestation was a curtain that stood between the holy of holies and the holy. But what, what does it represent? What is the holy of holies? The whole, if you went into the holy of holies, you're actually entering into a whole different zone. The Kohen, no one is allowed to enter there. Only a person who can melt into the divine. And that's the Kohen Gadol, who is a super soul, who is able physically to enter into that state of consciousness of being completely unified with God. You can't be there and be a somebody. So the only way is only Aaron and no one else, and only on Yom Kippur. He couldn't even do it any other day. Because of the holiness of Yom Kippur, he's able to be elevated into that state where he loses himself completely into the oneness of God. And that's when he goes into the Holy of Holies because he's actually entering into Atsilus. But then when he goes back out and he's dropping down from that higher state of, of, of existence, which is Atsilus, he's dropping into Bri, Yatsir, and Asiya. In the world of Bri, Yatsir, and Asiya is where you have sparks of holiness that need to be connected. So that's why the Pasuk says, where should Aaron elevate, light the menorah? He should do it outside of the parochas. What does it mean from outside of the partition? Outside the parsa, that separates between Atsilus The Targum because the Targum Yonason says parochas. You see, an interesting thing. The Targum, the translator of Chumash, translates the Aramaic of the word parochas, which parochas is the partition. The, the Targum says pargud. And what's pargud? And we know between Atsilus and Bria, there is something called a pargud. So you see clearly, but that's what it is. That the that the parochas is a symbolic and encapsulated this idea of the of the pargud. Right? A parsa, which is this parsa, which is this filter. A parsa, as I said, this filter who Now, what is that? This parsa. It's not a physical curtain. 
What is it? It's the name of Elohim. We know that there is in Hashem's name. The name of Elohim is the name. It's the source of time and space. Elohim is the name of the. It's associated with Gevura. So it's associated with divine restraint. Chesed is the energy of God to reveal himself. And when God reveals himself, it's clear that he is everything. But then God puts a partition through the name of Elohim, which Elohim hides his revelation so that there can be a, a, a disconnected world. So Elohim is that filter. So in the world of El and where does creation take place? Bereshis Bada Elohim. Creation, and then what does it say immediately? Once after Bereshis, in the be in the beginning, when God, when Elohim created, what does it say right away? Elohim the, the spirit of God is Mirachefes hovering, and the word Mirachefes is an indication to the Reish Peiches the 288 sparks. So you see that the 288 sparks, as they are in a shattered, broken state, that need to be reconnected. Again, 288 is the source of the sparks. Then they become billions of sparks. But these 288 sparks are only outside of Elohim. Once you pass the barrier of Elohim, there's no more disconnect. Everything is unified. master is the name of Elohim that conceals and obscures. Like it says in the Apostle, that Havaya is compared like the sun. So the sun emanates light and revelation. So too, the name Havaya is all about revealing God. The name Elohim is called the Mugain. It's the shield. It, 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 what does a shield do? It covers the sun so that the light will not be so intense. So in order that God does not overwhelm the creation and he doesn't completely overtake our consciousness, but allows us to be somebody so that we can serve him and be his subject so he can get light from our service. But all that has to do with a certain dimming of the light, which comes through the Mugain, which is the name of Elohim. And just like the container of the sun is a shield. It's coming to obscure and hide the light and the intensity of the light of the sun. So is the name of the It is obscuring the name of the So this is literally like the way of, by way of analogy. A partition and a screen. That obscures and hides the light. This is also the reason why when the sages tell us something very magnificent, that God in the future world, Hashem is going to take the sun out of its sheath, and the world is going to become much, much, much warmer. So the sages already told us about global warming a long, long, long time ago. The sages already revealed to us. Yisrael Mayer is here. That's exciting. So, um, welcome. So, the, 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 the idea of the global, of, of the world becoming warmer was already predicted by the sages years and years ago. The sages have told us, you want one? Here. Yeah. I think I have another safer because I didn't make it. I think I got my main copy, I got one extra out. Okay. So what's the idea over here? So oh hold on.
So it, so they predicted already that the world is going to get hotter. What does that mean? You have the second page. You don't have the first. That's the thing. That I want to. In any case. So what's the idea? What's the idea? What's the idea? This we learned over here that the idea. How does the world get? What does the sun's shield do? What does the shield do? The shield minimizes the intensity of the sun rays. If the sun would be without the shield, the, the light and it would be so strong it would burn everything. So in order to weaken it, so you see, Los Angeles became very warm the last two days. It was hot. It was like the middle of June now. It's a sign that Mashiach is coming, right? Warming up. So um, when the minute you see that it gets hot, you right away have to think Mashiach is coming. No? First thing. See, my, I, was, I, was telling you, I was telling the people earlier that, that, that my phone is so Mashiach programmed that when I try to type in an M for mitzvah or anything, it immediately suggests Mashiach. I was, I was having a hard time. I was trying to write mitzvah and it kept on giving me Mashiach. And I was like, not Mashiach, mitzvah. <laughs> any case, the first thought has to always trigger. In any case, so what was I saying? The sun, the sun, oh, so why, is it, why did the sages say when Mashiach will come, it's going to get hot? Because symbolically, the sun represents Hashem because it's like this intense source of energy and warmth. Without the sun, no life would be possible. The sun is a super source of light and energy. The shield of the sun, in its that Hashem weakens the light, that means something that causes God's Hashem's light not to be so intense in this world. Because if Hashem's light would be very intense in this world, then we would be Him. We would be just become Him. We wouldn't be us, because He would overwhelm us with His with His beingness. So He dims His light. But that dimming is only going to be until Mashiach comes. Once Mashiach is here, what does that mean? We repaired the world. We made the world already a vessel that it can handle the revelation of God himself. So Hashem is going to remove the shield and allow the sun to be without the shield. So in the, in the dynamics of the names of Hashem, Elohim is the name that blocks Hashem's light. Yudke Vavke, the name of Yudke Vavke, is the revelation of Hashem. So Yudke Vavke we know is Chesed. Chesed is revelation, kindness. And uh, Gevura and Elohim is Gevura. It's constriction. So you have two names of Hashem, revelation and constriction. Now Elohim is blocking the Yudke Vavke. When Mashiach will come, Hashem is going to end the name of Elohim and allow Yudke Vavke to be completely revealed. Without the Elohim, that's the idea. No more sunscreen. The rays won't be damaging. We will be able to handle the intense lights of the sun. And we won't be burnt up in it. We will be unified with it. So but that's the reason, as he says, right? take Hashem is going to take the sun out of its out of its holder. And that's because when Mashiach will come, it says, Hashem Who said this? Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu had a Mashiach. Yaakov Avinu, even though Yaakov was living four thousand years ago, four thousand years before Mashiach. Yaakov Avinu had already the vision of the ultimate of the ultimate world. When Yaakov woke up in the morning and he realized he had a dream with the ladder, he was able to see all of history. And he was able to, to see the world as we're standing right now, entering into Mashiach's times. And he says, if God will protect me through this long and treacherous journey, Yaakov Avinu knew how difficult, it's not just himself, it's him, his children. He knew every single struggle that we're going to go through, dealing with the darkness and the difficulties. And he knew that if God is not going to be with him, we're never going to make it through. 
And the only way we made it through this long exile is only because Hashem was with us, helping us all along. And then he says, if Hashem will be with me and we will find Vishafti Bishalam al-Bais Avi, I will return in peace to my father's house. Yaakov doesn't, wasn't only meaning him 22 years later, he's coming back to his father's house. He was just a little metaphor for the story of the Jewish people. We are called Yaakov. Our 2,000 year exile throughout all the darkness. If God will bring us back to our father's house, means Hashem will bring us back to the base of Middash. The base of Middash is our father's house. And when Hashem will do that, you know what's going to happen? Simply it means God will be my God. What do you mean? Now he's not your God. He's your God anyways. What does he mean? Then he will be my Hashem. <laughs> he is. The deeper meaning is, then we won't have any more Elohim covering. Havaya, Yudke Vavke itself is going to be the Elohim. In other words, we're going to be directly communicating with Yudke Vavke, not through the shield of Elohim. Elohim now is acting as a protector, as a shield, diminishing the light, weakening the light. When Mashiach will come, Havaya itself is going to be Lilalokim. As explained in that mimer in Parshas Vayet. Okay. So, what did he explain right now? He was explaining the idea of why Aaron lights the Menorah, which means he he's, he's elevating the Neirois. What are the Neirois? The mitzvahs are Neirois. Mitzvahs are the lambs. What's the panemius of a mitzvah? When we do a mitzvah, what's the part of a mitzvah we don't see? What we don't see is that every time we're doing a mitzvah, there's a spark of holiness being released. A spark of the material world that till now it's a spark of Hashem that was buried in darkness for thousands of years. When we do the mitzvah, even let's say simple thing of making a bracha, it's also a mitzvah. We make a blessing, say, we change the dynamics of the water. We uncover the spark of holiness and we allow this physical entity to be unified with Hashem through the bracha that we say. So we elevate the spark. That's called Ba'alois Chesaneris. But we then earlier, where do we have to light them in that, the, the lamps? The Pasuk says outside of the partition, outside of the parochas. Because on the other side of the parochas, there's no blockages, there's no sparks. Everything is him. Where are the sparks trapped? Only outside the parochas. That's what we learned earlier. Aaron is the one, the Kohen Gadol. He's a special dynamic, a special neshama. And what is his ability? He is Shushvina. We is the Lahaloi Sanitsutsis. And he is the one who raises up the sparks. We're holding in that first page that you're looking at, first page. And we are like one, and it says Pashas Tetzave, and we are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Fourteen lines from the going down. The line begins with the word Shushvina. Shushvina means he's the escort. As we spoke earlier, at a chassan and a kala, when they're going to get married, they need someone to help them to the wedding. They can't go themselves. They need an escort. Aaron is the one who escorts the sparks of holiness back to their source. They're getting married. They're returning back to their source. So who's the one who elevates them? Aaron is the one. He's the one who's the escort. To elevate the sparks. And where are these sparks being elevated? Biyaz, an acronym for the word Bria Yatsira Nasiya, from the three lower worlds, including our physical world, which is the lowest, and even higher worlds, they're also part of the low worlds because they're all in a state of separate consciousness. They're not one with Hashem. Even the world of angels, even the world of Malachim, and even the world of even higher than angels, even the world of souls. 
are still in a, in a certain context separated from God. So that's all called worlds of separation. And Aaron's job is to elevate the sparks from these three worlds into the fourth world, which the fourth world is already Hashem himself. It's called Atzilos, which is a world perfectly unified with God. Atzilos, Atzilos, Vesersha, Amen, is what it says in the Passover. Now, where do you do the work to, ele to elevate these sparks from outside of the partition? You should arrange the lamps outside the partition that we mentioned earlier. And that's why we know once Mashiach comes and Hashem removes the partition, we're not going to be elevating sparks anymore. Because we're done that already. Done. The Rebbe told us in, in 30 years ago that we're basically finished elevating the sparks and the world is already connected. It's just that we're not conscious of it yet. So he said that we need to open our eyes to start realizing that this is a very connected world. We're still seeing the world with old with our old gullus glasses. You have to start looking differently and seeing things differently. But in any case, until until that time, however, throughout all of history, we were doing mitzvahs to elevate sparks. And when we do the mitzvah to elevate sparks, that's called lighting a menorah. Aaron is the one who helps us with those lifting of the sparks, as we're going to see. And afterwards, Yahweh. First, you arrange the sparks in the three lower worlds, meaning you don't elevate it yet. You extract the spark and you kind of prepare it for elevation. And then that's done outside of the partition. And then Aaron takes it from outside of the partition. He takes it onto the other side of the partition, these lamps, into a place where it's completely wonderful. The Indian, and what's the idea? What is the concept with the Zohar says that Aaron is a Shoshvina, he's an escort? Now, the concept of the Shoshvina, an escort, he says, we find it by a chasana, by a wedding. The chasana of the kala, where there is a chasana and a kala, a groom and a bride. In which they have escorts. And that is too. Now, weddings don't happen every night, unless you're living in Lakewood. <laughs> right? right? There's like, yeah, there's like seven, eight a night. Baruch Hashem. Ken Yirmum. Mansi Kran, it's also Baruch Hashem, but like crazy like that. It's like that. Here we don't have every night, but you know. In any case, uh, but he says, when do you have? So when do you have the Shushvin? You know, you have it only at when there is a wedding in the days of the Alter Rebbe, a little shtetl, you know, two three chasanas every year, five chasanas they had, you know, not too many. So this is Leitim Rechaykim at Avo Balos Aneiro. It's the Hobbit. The lighting of the menorah was done every day. So since it's a daily chore, a, late, a daily activity, why do you need Shashvinin over here? What do you have to go make a hope? Or you have to go send an escort to pick to, to, for the... This is a daily activity. This was done every, every evening, every afternoon. Why is Aaron, who's doing it, called the escort, which seems to imply that we're dealing with a one-time thing that's done only on the special occasion of a wedding. The idea is like this. A bride and a groom only get an escort one time or whenever in their life. They're getting married, so they have an escort. But it, but if there's a lot of brides getting married, as you said, that every bride has an escort. And it's communities where they have brides getting a chassan and brides, a chassan and kalas getting married every night. So you have shushvinin every night. So it's true that that. You only need an escort for a one-time occasion, the greatest occasion in your life when you're going to meet your and unify with your bashert, you know, with your soulmate. So that's when you need your escort. But 
if there are many sparks of holiness, which means there are many brides, each one of them needs an escort. Every day when they lit the menorah, it wasn't the same menorah. Every day it was a new menorah. Aaron didn't go back to light yesterday's lamps. Every day they were new lamps because every day they were new sparks. There were new mitzvahs that we did. The sparks of yesterday were elevated already. These are new sparks every day. For example, it's explained that the physicality that we elevate, when we do a mitzvah, we also elevate our physical human energy, physical body energy. We connect our physical strength to God. So you say, well, I did it yesterday already. I did tzedakah already. I put tefillin on my hand yesterday. So I elevated my hand already and connected it. The answer is, even scientifically, your body is a whole new entity every couple of days. How many days does it take for all your cells to be replenished? Anybody know? I think it's about, like, about a month. I'm saying, how much is it a new you? You're a complete different you because we eat the, the, the old cells, whatever, is new cells, continuously creating new cells. So basically, if you elevated your old self, the energy of who of you today, because who are you? We ask ourselves, who are we? We are the, we literally, if you're looking at a person, who are you? You're the food you ate a month ago. <laughs> That's who you are. A little luxem kogel. <laughs> a little salad, a little this, a little tuna fish. And that, that's who we are. That's our cells and makeup of our body. So when we elevate ourselves by doing a mitzvah, it's the, it's the today, but not the tomorrow you. Every day. And every day part of us is new because we create new blood from the food that we eat. And that's just in us. The same is also in the mitzvahs are not just involving us. They're also involving other material of the world. And each one is a new spark of holiness. So these sparks, it's her one day for her wedding. She's going to be unified with her source. The spark is now going to be unified with God. It's going to be unified with its source. So it needs an escort, as he explains over here. The, the, yeah. The idea is as follows. The cold is When do you need an escort? When... Um, So by a wedding, we all know that a wedding is a very joyful uh, event. Why is it a joyful event? Because of the newness. You know, Reb Chaim, I think Reb Chaim Brisker, or it was the Brisker, one of the other Brisker Ravs, I'm not sure which one it was. Um, one of them, um, he said a Chiddush. And his Chiddush was that marriage is not a one-time event, but when, when a man betrothes a woman and they get married, they create a force that happens perpetually. Knows the force of the condition happens every second. Now, it, 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 we do it once, but it's, you're activating a certain energy that is a, cont, cont, a continuous force. So his wife heard him say that, and she came in and she said, Mazel tov, Mazel tov. <laughs> Because, you know, we're constantly getting married, but yet we all know that it's, 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 it's like the excitement in the uniqueness of it is, and it's, you know, we got to work on our marriages to keep it fresh and exciting all along and not, and not, you know, become, you know, old and stale, but still the real, you don't make, you know, you're not going to, you know, call a band <laughs> and flowers and a whole situation and a whole meal every day. You don't do that. Once in a while, we celebrate a big anniversary, uh, you know, something special. But like this, it's not every day. So that's when the simcha is. Why? 
Because simcha comes when there's newness. Yeah, something is a chidush. It's okay. So that's why we have to try to break ourselves. But still, you know, we pour in, we 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 celebrate with with all kinds of dancing and some Torah, but we don't do that every day, even though it's takanu and every day should be. But that's the way it is. So the pleasure and the simcha come from the newness. Okay. The, the, and what's the newness over here? The newness is that, that this couple is coming together for the first time. They're now getting married. So the way in chasen is Now what's the and that's the idea of a chasen? What's the chasen? It's a new thing that so and so are getting married. It's news. In two weeks from now, we'll see them coming together into the into the into the bakery to buy uh, whatever uh, danishes, uh, to buy a coffee. It's nice to see a young couple. You smile, it's a fresh couple, but it's already old news. <laughs> the excitement is they're getting married. So, so, but when we're taking any physical entity in this world and we're causing it to unify with Hashem, that's a new marriage. Hashem has got a billion wives and that's each spark that he is, that is becoming unified with him. Each part of the world that is getting connected. A man is allowed to have a lot of women. So Hashem has got like a zillion women, which are all the sparks of holiness that he's marrying. For each wedding, there needs to be an escort. That, that's the idea. There's a simcha. And that's why every time a spark is elevated, every time you do a mitzvah, you're causing a new marriage. Think about it. You're causing Hashem to get engaged and married to a new wife. So you're making a chasana above. So you expect God is so happy because on, on the day of a wedding, you're happy. And by Hashem, he has the infinite capacity to be happy each time like it's the first time. It's not like... Oh, you know, this is number what? <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's always new. Every spark. You, you make. So basically, imagine this. That's a, such a unique way of looking at a mitzvah. A mitzvah is basically you're creating a wedding. And there's a, that's the simcha. What's a simcha shal mitzvah? You ever thought about that? The simcha shal mitzvah is the simcha of a chasana. It's an awesome idea. The joy of a mitzvah should be equal to a chasana because a marriage is taking place. A finite entity is getting married to an infinite being. And therefore, when you elevate the sparks, even though this is a daily occurrence, every day was a new joy. Because the 288 sparks that are now being elevated are new every day. They are new every day. They are now ascending from the three lower worlds to be unified with Hashem in the world of Atzilus. That's why you need to have a Shoshvina, which means you need to have an escort to help you do that. It is known in the concept of Birudim. So now he's going to bring a Kabbalistic idea. This concept of sparks being elevated, who does it? Who elevates sparks? We. Neshamas, the souls. Hashem sent Neshamas down into the world to elevate all the sparks of holiness. Now, our soul source is called the Shekhinah. So who's really responsible for elevating all the sparks? The Shekhinah. And Shekhinah is called the attribute of Malchus, the attribute of divine kingship. And that's what is the main collector of sparks. So as he says, 
Malchus, the attribute of Malchus, which is called Shekhinah. And what does she do? She elevates sparks every day. How does she elevate sparks? Because the Shekhinah gives us life, each and every one of us. We're all little parts of the Shekhinah. And we elevate sparks. We engage the world and collect things in this world and bring them into a relationship with Hashem. So like it says, Malchus Datsilus. Now, the song that we... The, the, the Shekhinah is the feminine the feminine element of the divine. That's why we know that when we sing Eishes Chayel, Friday night, which is a song that everybody should be singing to commemorate and celebrate their wives, but it also has a deeper meaning. Eishes Chayel also means the great cosmic wife, the Shekhinah who's the wife of Hashem. And we sing her praises when we sing Eishes Chayel. What are one of the praises that are sung about Eishes Chayel? It says, She gets up in the middle of the night, and she gives food for her family. Teref is the same gematria as 288, which is the number of sparks. That means Malchus, every single night, she descends down into darkness. What does darkness mean? The worlds of separation, the worlds of disconnect that are called darkness. And over there, there are treasures buried in the darkness. What are those treasures? Those are the sparks of holiness that are there. And Malchus reaches into the darkness and extracts these 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 treasures and elevates them. It's 288 with one extra, because uh, Teref is Gematria 289. But we know that in Gematria, when it could be off by one. So like it also says, who else is compared? <laughs> who else is compared to, um, what else is Malthus compared to? The Shekhinah, the wife of Hashem to a dove, to a bird, a yona. And what does it say by the yona bird? When Noah sent her from the teva, Ale Zayas, she had a olive a leaf, Taraf, she had it grabbed, she plucked it. Taraf, she plucked it. That's re representing the idea that the Shekhinah and each and every one, every neshama is called a dove. We come into the world and we're here to pluck these olive leaves, which are the sparks of holiness, but, but the word that it uses is taraf. Taraf is the same gematria as 288. 289, 288 plus one. Ali Zayis, taraf another pasuk, it says, taraf nasan Hashem gives taraf, Hashem gives pranasa to those who fear him. The deeper meaning is, Hashem gives us access to elevate the sparks. And that's how we make pranasa. That's, that's our true pranasa. Our real pranasa is the sparks of holiness that we come into contact with through engaging in business, and all the other things we do, making money, in the money are sparks of holiness. So that's called Hashem is giving us these plucked. We pluck things out from the darkness and increase the, the, the assets of holiness. The Aroin, okay. So this is, now we understand what the idea is that every day there are sparks of holiness that need to be elevated. But now we're going to come back to the escort. Who is the escort that facilitates this? The Aroin and Aroin, Aaron, he is the escort of the queen. He helps the Shekhinah up together with the sparks. She's called the wife. With all the sparks that she collects. Let's understand something. We each have our own little bag of sparks. Every single one of us has our own. We're all collecting. We all have our little basket. And we run around the world collecting. What do you collect? You don't even realize what you're collecting. 
In your toothbrush, there's a little spark. In your toothpaste, there's a little spark. Whether you use Colgate or you use, uh, what's the other one? Huh? Crest. <laughs> Those are the two types of people that there are, the Crest people and the Colgate people. Obviously, I didn't. I forgot the name Crest. I don't like Crest. I only like Colgate. But in any case, so the that's your first, one of your first sparks of holiness of the day is that little schmear of, of toothpaste. It's got a spark in it. And your toothpaste you're using today is hopefully not the toothpaste you used yesterday. The bottle is, but the actual little bit of toothpaste, you're not recycling. So in that is a spark, okay? And then part of the sparks is breakfast and then lunch. And then your shoes, your shoes, yeah, your socks, your shirt you're wearing, your clothing you wear, and you're doing mitzvahs with them. That's the idea. And you're filling for sure. And all the physical material things we do in mitzvahs all have sparks. These are all our own small little baskets. We all pour our basket every day into one huge big basket. Every neshama, we're all, we, work, we work for one company. Who's the company we work for? And we collect all the sparks for? We, from Malchus to Shekhinah, we pass on all the individual sparks into her. Every day in the morning, at nighttime, she's collecting the sparks. In the morning, she, she rises up to unify with the infinite, with Hashem himself, and to bring him her huge big basket of sparks. So every day it's an, and every day she needs a new escort because every day it's a new bunch of brides. <laughs> the basket is full of little brides. All the sparks that have been elevated are now getting married to God. These are all the sparks that she elevated. And these are all the mitzvahs we've done. Every day the elevator takes up the mitzvahs. And that's called the when you will lift up. What does it say when you light the menorah? What does it say when you lift up? Because we gotta get elevate the mitzvahs. We gotta bring all these sparks of the mitzvahs up to its source. These are the neiros of the menorah. That include all the all the sparks, whatever we've collected. And because it is so exciting to God, that sparks that He hasn't seen for thousands of years. The sparks of holiness are pieces of Hashem. And they've been trapped. They've been kidnapped. They've been abducted. They've been the lost. They're, they're buried in the darkest, most yucky places. And Hashem misses them so dearly. And when they finally come back, it's like a child coming back after literally, you know, tens of years of being locked away. The parent is so happy. So whenever we bring these sparks back, it makes Hashem unbelievable happy. And because of this newness, and it's something new, because for this spark, it never was up yet. This causes God, the simcha above, a divine simcha, Hashem's joy. And where, and where does the simcha take place? In the world of Atzilus, in the world of emanation, which is the world of divinity. And in which level of Atzilus? The place of joy is called in Bina of Atzilus. Who's going to eat all the challenge? I picked up from I picked up from leaders from your place. I picked, yeah, the sparks. I mean, the sparks. That's right. That's why I got the challenge today because there was new spark. I realized that there were new sparks in the challenge, and I told them exactly which sparks I want. I took from this one and from that one. Then I realized that the kishkis was had a lot of sparks. And I told him to throw an exact, he wanted to know three, four, told him three, four pieces. All those four, everything has to be elevated. In any case, and the joy, we'll take a break soon, the Chalun break. But first we'll continue a little further. And the Simcha above in Atzilus. Now, Simcha, let's understand something. 
joy is, is first of all, it's joy. When you're feeling joyous, what's happening? There is a certain gavura element inside of me. Joy, when you think, is joy water or joy is fire? Like when you're when you're like really feeling happy and you're dancing, would you would you would you say you're full of water then, or would you say you're full of fire? Then? Fire. No, water is pleasure. When you're sitting and you're relaxed and you're like, oh. yeah, okay, you're right. You're going near, but but fire is fire is excitement. No, fire is excitement. Water is calmness. So joy is excitement. Joy is bubbling, it's bubbling, it's hot. When you enjoy it, that's why you're dancing, you get hot too, you flips. <laughs> joy is, 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 is fire. So that's why it's associated with the five powers of Gavura that there are in Bina. It's a, it's a mystical concept, which I'm not going to go into too much right now. But in the 10 Sephirot, where these sparks, where the sparks are elevated into the divine. It goes up higher, 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 but then the, the joy that comes from the spark coming back takes place in the divine being, which are the ten spheros that are unified with God, It's which in which Hashem is called a person, even though Hashem is infinitely beyond being a person, but yet he manifests as a person. And in that person, there is a level called mother, that's Bina. And Bina is where the, the joy takes place. That's where the energy of joy is. A mother. The simcha, the hey gavur is the ema. When she casts ema banim samech, the mother, the mother of the children is happy. The ze Indian, and this is the idea of it's parshas tetzava always comes out when Purim time. This year it's the first Purim, but still Purim time. So that's why the Alter Rebbe says the ze in oira v'simcha la Yehuda Moisa oira v'simcha. Simcha is bina, oira. Light and joy. Light is chachma. Illumination. Tremendous illumination. Which means like this. When we register a spark above, when we send the spark up, you know, I, I'm going to use a very, no one ever used this mashal in all of Hasidus because it's the most ridiculous, insane mashal, but yet I'm going to use it. It's like when you when you play ping, not ping pong, what is it called? Those, 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 those machines where you... Pinball. Pinball, right? So, so when you shoot the spark up, it's like knocking the ball up, and when it, you know, you know when it goes, and it shoots and it lights up the whole thing, and it starts singing, and it's making, the, it's hitting all the points, and it's like you love watching it. So that's like what happens when you do a mitzvah. You're shooting up this thing; it registers up high, and it creates flashes of light and joy. I'm talking about on a cosmic level, on a divine level, on an infinite level of illumination and joy in the infinite. From that spark coming up to its source. And that's the oira of a simcha. A simcha be'ema simcha is in the mother, the oira abba. And light is in father. That's where this is registering and that's where it's creating this whole commotion. In which they are called two friends. And the explanation of the matter is as follows. So what does that mean? So that means like this. The joy, as we do a mitzvah, the mitzvah is the elevation of the spark. But after we elevate the spark, Hashem is happy with the spark that came back home. So that causes joy above. That's the simcha shel mitzvah. That's the joy of the mitzvah. But that's Hashem's joy. What's our joy? A little bit of that joy of God's joy 
we can feel as well. And that comes trickling down to the neshama, and that's what Aaron HaKohen helps us do. That's what we spoke about in the beginning of the class. Oh, so he's the escort. Two things. He does both. He escorts the, the spark upward, and he also channels the joy downward to the... Now, the joy of, of a mitzvah is in, is in the level of Bina. It's, it's taking place in the divine level of Bina. Which is even higher. When Hashem says we should be besimcha, Hashem says, You know, these terrible things are going to happen because you did not serve God. With joy and with a gladdened heart. More than everything. So what does that mean? Everything is referring to all the pleasure, the delight, and the joy, and the celebrations that exist in the entire cosmic order. That's everything. Everything means combining every party that exists on all levels of existence. That's awesome. Imagine being able to participate in every party, in every celebration. And that's all included in the word kol, including the celebrations, which are so magnificent that they're not even that you know people die for it to get into those celebrations. Those are the Ganadin celebrations. Ganadin celebrations are like crazy. The parties over there are like so unbelievable. And yet, how many Ganadins are there? There's a trillions of levels of Ganadin. Each one, the pleasure in those worlds are way beyond, higher and higher and higher. All those parties together are called kol. Well, it means everything. When you do a mitzvah, imagine if you got an invitation and the inv invite was to come to a very special party that only billionaires can come. You're invited. Ah, they're going to have over there the, the most craziest gourmet food. They're going to have the most incredible entertainment. They're going to have, it's going to take place in the most exquisite resort in a private island. It's going to be, ah, crazy. So imagine you get that invitation. You feel a lot of joy. I was invited. How? You have connections. <laughs> you have to meet someone. The guy knows you. He, he decided to treat you. He's taking you with him. His companion couldn't come last minute. He called you. You want to come with him. Oh, it's like a treat to the treats. So here we're talking about, imagine if you got the VIP card to every single Ganeden, to every single party on all the levels. Okay, that's called coil. When you do a mitzvah, the joy of the mitzvah should be more than that. Why? Must be because the mitzvah has more than all that pleasure in Ganeid. That's what he's going to explain now. The mitzvah itself is more valuable than all the wine. Because the mitzvah is Hashem's joy. When the spark is elevated through the mitzvah, the mitzvah creates in Hashem a pleasure and a delight. Which brings to an enormous joy, intensity of, of energy, which is that fire that explodes of joy above. That intense light is too intense for all the Ganadins together put together. They can never handle it. That's why it's never revealed in Ganadin. What is revealed in Ganadin is a tiny trickle of that joy, of that pleasure. A little tiny trickle becomes the source of all the pleasure in Ganadin, but not that itself. But in the mitzvah, you are actually touching that energy itself. And that's what's so wild about a mitzvah. Okay, more than everything. So what's called everything? 
tzaddik, which is Yisoyin, Shanikra Kol, which is called Kol, Kiyadua, as it is known. Now let's understand something. Where is Gan Eden? I'm going to give you a little, just a little quick Kabbalistic little map. Um, there is the world of Asilus, which is the divine realm that we're speaking about earlier. There's the ten spheres, Chachma, Bina, okay? We spoke of the Chachma, Bina is where the mitzvah registers and creates this enormous, intense light and, and joy. From there, the light goes through a series, a series of incredible dim, diminishments. The light gets less and less as it passes through many spherot, many attributes, until it comes out into the attribute called Yesod. Yesod is the last station. Yesod passes the energy into Malchus, and Malchus is called the Gan. Malchus is called the Garden. The Shekhinah, she's called the Garden. Now the Gan the, the Edens are all plugged into the Shekhinah. So the Shekhinah is the source of their pleasure. Where is the Shekhinah receiving? Who waters the garden? Yesod element is higher than the Shekhinah, way above. And he gives the fusion and he gives the pleasure and he gives the joy into the Gan. He causes the productivity of the Gan. He causes all of the Gan to, to thrive. And he is called, that's called Yesod, it's also called Kol. Everything. Because it has all the pleasure and all the delight. Bina is way, way, way above Yesod. So therefore, everything, which is a derivative of Yesod, Yesod is called everything, it doesn't come close to Bina. And in the mitzvah, you have the Simcha Shal Mitzvah, the joy of the mitzvah, is the joy of Bina itself, which is much higher than Kol. That's what he's explaining here. The five powers of chesed, which is the divine revelation that's flowing in Yisoyed. Now, but here's a question. We're saying Simcha Shal Mitzvah is where in Bina. Yisoyed, which is the source of Gan Eden, is what? Called Kol. But why is Yisoyed called Kol? Why Kol? Kol is gematria 50. Kol means everything, but Kol is also the numeric value of 50. Now, 50, when you hear the word 50, you right away notice that what 50 is associated with Bina. Because there are 50 gates of Bina, Nun, Shari, Bina. So here's the question. You're telling me that what? That Kol is far inferior to Bina. But isn't Yesoid called Kol because in Yesoid is illuminating the 50 gates of Bina. So Yesoid does have Bina. So he's explaining. There is Bina and there is Share Bina. What's the difference of a Shar? You have a home, you have a house, you have a palace. There is the palace itself. And then there are someone who doesn't get to go into the palace, but they get to come to the entrance of the palace. They get to the Shar. From the Shar, they can peek in and see a little bit, but they're not seeing much. But it's so exhilarating just to be in the Shar. The shire itself is so amazing because this they hear the music from in there. They can already, you know, uh, they can't go into the feast, but there's a lady, there's the person going by with the, what is it called? Uh, the hors d'oeuvres. Uh, you know, she's able to hop a little. <laughs> in the gate, there's also special. But the gate is only the gate. So that's the difference. In Yesoid, it's stuck at the 50 gates of Bina shining, but not Bina itself. The mitzvah is Bina itself. 
is the joy of being. It's a little Kabbalistic, but that's okay. Being only the 50 gates of being. We started now the second paragraph here, the second column. The simcha shel mitzvah, the joy of the mitzvah, is the inner experience of bina. is more than, it's considered more than everything. Another idea, he says, bina itself only expands until hod. It's a little Kabbalistic, I don't want to get too into it. It doesn't reach your soul. So your soul is lower than bina. Next week's parsha. That Yisod is called Dal. Teferes is called the rich man, and Yisod is called the poor man. Why is it called poor? Because the lights of Bina do not arrive in Yisod. It only arrives to Hod. Hod is higher than Yisod. Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, Netzach, Hod, Yisod. Yisod is called poor, but the lights of Bina are not really arriving. That's why we find that Yosef, although, for example, Yosef, who is what? Who represents Yisod. He, he was an orphan from his mother. He didn't have his mother. Mother is Bina. That means Rachel was not in his life present in a physical way. Because, and he was living his life. He grew up an orphan. Um, so what do you see from it? So that's that. See, everything in the physical world reflects the spiritual dynamics. Why was Yosef an orphan? Because spiritually, Yosef is not, is not illuminated by the lights of Bina. In any case, the So this that you say is called kol, which does indicate that your soul is relating to bina. Hashem shemekabel nunshari bina receives the gates of bina. Einoi atzmius nunshari bina. It's not the essence of the even the gates. It's not the essence of the gates of bina. Kim kumai chaysam. It's like um, a a print. It's like um, when you have a certain image. And you stamp the image on something else. So it, it looks the same, but it's not the thing itself. It's only a stamp of it. Yesoid is also called chaysem. It's called a stamp. In Yesoid, there is an imprint of Bina, but not, not the essence of Bina. And anyway, I'm a priest. This is discussed in Arizal in the, in the um, intentions of, speaks about Kabbalah Hashanah Rab. Uh, and that's why mitzvahs are so special because by mitzvahs it says more than everything in a mitzvah you have more than kol okay so good in a mitzvah there's enormous and incredible joy it's Hashem Simcha that registers in Bina from the sparks coming back up to him it's awesome but what does it have to do with me and you when we're doing a mitzvah we are doing a dry act a little activity over here we can be halfway sleepy. We can be like kind of dozing off while we're doing the mitzvah. We're not tapping into any of these divine, incredible energies. So he's going to explain now. Maybe we can. So that's the thing. In general, we say that the intense light of a mitzvah is so intense, the world can't handle it. In Eschar Mitzvah the reward of a mitzvah is not to be found in this world. El Arak, the reward of the mitzvah you can't experience in this world. El Arak, simcha shal mitzvah bolvar. The joy of the mitzvah you can have in this world. Some of it. And the idea is as follows. Okay, I think we're going to do a little, little break. because I'm uh, uh, Right, Mechim? Do a little break? You go, you go get the sparks. Yes. And then we'll, then we'll continue a little further in a few minutes.
We have to get the spark. We need, without the spark, we don't have no energy. Okay. Okay. Well, it's outside. It's over there. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. Sitting down again, Vicky? Yeah. Oh, look at you. I gave you a little more uh, kayak. Okay, let's wait. Okay, we'll wait a few a minute till Ariella comes back. She likes to come. She has friends over here. She loves the chasidus. Yeah. So, so nice. Wow. I can go last. Uh, you have everything you need. It's all good. He just got a clean build today. They went back to the hospital and they took his lab work and he's good. He's all good. Oh, my dog was like him so much. He's a very smart boy. He just does a huge, you know, you can see it in there. He has a pretty, pretty uh, smart both father and mother. So yeah, they're both brilliant. So yeah. together, it's uh, you know, wow. it's hard to miss the kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, The Indian, the idea is, he's going to explain why the mitzvahs cannot be, why the the mitzvah itself can never be. The world can facilitate the mitzvah. He's going to explain now how mitzvahs are where their real source is. See, we were talking earlier uh, about the spark of holiness of the mitzvah and how when the spark is elevated, it where that it goes up very high and it releases tremendous joy in Bina. In, in, the, in the attribute of Bina, that's where the joy registers. But that's really not where the mitzvah is really, really, um, you know, um, you know, uh, resonating. The mitzvahs going much higher than Bina. Mitzvahs are going into Keter. That's why we know there are 620 mitzvahs on Keser. Keser is, 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 is infinitely beyond Bina. Because Bina is part of the internal structure of the divine coming down already into some kind of a form, some kind of a, a lights and vessels, lights and containers. But Keser is the Orient Sof. And so he is explaining uh, mystically that the really source of the mitzvah is in what's called the, the the bina is inside the head 
And then there is the skull. The skull represents even higher, the crown. In you know, the root of the mitzvahs itself, is in the level called Galgolas. Galgolas is the, the skull. The Erechanpin of Erechanpin. Erechanpin is a term, a Zoharic term, referring to the long face, representing the, where, the, where the divine is still infinite, not yet coming down into the small face, which is already constricted. We're talking about the, the, the Erechanpin. The Taryag Urchen, and how many mitzvahs are there? Six hundred thirteen. So it's described that the skull of 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 the divine, whatever that means. Obviously, we know anthropomorphically speaking, um, the there is six hundred and thirteen pathways in the divine's in in Keter, which is what we consider the skull. So he's going to explain the awesomeness of this. A skull is really white. And um, on the skull grows hair. The hair is just obviously tiny, is in explained as hair as being tiny little tubes through which the energy of the skull, which is far more vast than the hair. The skull is the source of the hair. And every little hair is just a little tube and a minuscule, minuscule, minuscule tube. So much so that when you look at a hair with the naked eye, you don't even see that it's a tube. If you would look at a hair and examine it under a microscope, you'd see that every hair is like a straw. It's got a hole in it and running through. So the hair, and obviously when we're talking about the divine, so the hair of, of the divine crown is, is in, you know, incomprehensibly and incredibly great. But yet it doesn't come close to the skull, to the skull itself. He's going to explain that the letters of the Torah, all the letters, such a beautiful thought, all the letters of the Torah, they are the hairs coming out of, the, of Hashem's head. The letters, every letter is a small little revelation. And what are the letters of the Torah? The letters of the Torah reveal to us what God, what God is all about. Without the letters of the Torah, God would be a total locked mystery. So the letters of the Torah are revelation. But where are they? Where are they coming from? They're coming from the skull that transcends the letters. The mitzvahs are the skull itself. The Torah that describes the mitzvahs, the Torah is the is the here. And just and therefore, what's the Torah all about? Description of the mitzvahs. The Torah is articulating the mitzvah. But really, the mitzvah is much higher than the Torah describing it. Because the Torah describing it is only the hair of it. These are the letters of the Torah. As it is known, the Marshal Osiris in the Marshal, in the analogy of the hair. It's like the analogy of speech. He says, hair is literally like speech. Why? When you take words, what are you taking? You have a bunch of tubes. Every letter is like a tube. There's a little bit of the content. What's a tube? A tube has a hollow in which energy can flow or liquid can flow, whatever it is that you're putting through the tube. Electricity can flow. Whatever it is that's going through the pipe or through the uh, wire. Each here is like a wire that has like a it's flow. Something is flowing. So what are the letters? The letters have content. 
Every letter is a little tiny bit of the idea. You put the ideas together. You put a few letters together, you have a word. Now it's a vest. It's containing a, a little, a larger piece of the idea. A couple of words together create a sentence. A sentence create a paragraph and so on and so forth. Together it facilitates these ideas. When you combine various different words or letters, from it you can understand the, the essential concept. So, so the concept is kind of like emerging from between these combinations of letters. Put the letters together and then the concept is going to come out. So it's the same like the, the hairs, which are the letters themselves, and the, and the tube, the inside, the ideas that are flowing through these letters. And so it is also in the analogy of the hair. Just like in speech, from between the letters comes out an idea. They take a look at it here. From the, the life from the brain, the brain power comes out through the, through the um, um, hollow of the hair. And a little bit of this energy protrudes through, through the skull. And goes into the the cavity of the ear, the hole in the ear, the, the hollow in the ear. Just like ideas come flowing out through the channels of the combinations of speech of letters. That comes out that comes out that the letters of the Torah, which are so awesome, the twenty-two letters of the Torah, which they are rooted only in the ear. They are just a small little garment and a, and a vessel to the great revelation of light and energy that is enclosed in them. And what's enclosed in them? The pure whiteness of the skull. And a little bit of that infinity goes into these channels, into these. So the ideas of Torah are just capturing a tiny bit. But the mitzvah is the essential will of God himself, which represents the skull itself. The whiteness that's in the skull, that's called chivrasa, it's called white. That's called the pathways. That's a root and a source from where these from where the here derive their, their power. They grow from them. As, it, as it's explained in the two parts of the Zohar called the Idra, which were like circles where the sages would sit. There's a large one and a small one where great secrets of the Torah were revealed. So there it explains, that what is what facilitates the growth of here it's the whiteness in the skull. And that's why we say that the Torah, which is just the here, which is the explanation of the mitzvahs, just like the Torah says, so which example is he using from? He's using the, the Torah is describing how the breastplate looked. And how the apron of the code is a mitzvah. The Torah is describing to you the letters of the Torah are describing the mitzvah. What's the mitzvah? The mitzvah is higher than the Torah. 
These are little protrusions, the Torah, little letters that are giving somewhat description to the otherwise infinity of, of, of the divine. The parshi is hard, but many parshiyos, you should make a choshen, make a breastplate. And the same and the like is in all the mitzvahs. They explain the mitzvah, what the mitzvahs are about. If this is an explanation, an explanation of something is always secondary to the thing itself. If you're buying a new mixer for the kitchen, or you're getting a new um, whatever, computer, or any other device, a new cell phone, so you have a little booklet with instructions that give you a description about how everything works. But that's only secondary to the device itself. Since the Torah is only a manual, a description of what the mitzvahs are, so it's like secondary to the mitzvah. The thing that it's explaining. Kacha mitzvahs, and the same is also by the mitzvahs. Hena ikr, they are the main thing. And the Torah is only a pirish, it's a tough. The letters of the Torah are God's here. That's why it says somewhere that when you try to un... You know, when you read Torah, you come up with many contradictions. Many contradictions. And part of study, Torah study is to clarify ideas, to explain why one thing doesn't contradict the other and how you like... So in, 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 in other places, the Alter Rebbe compares it to combing hair. Combing God's hair. Because what happens with hair, they get entangled. One with the other, they get knotted. And the combing process is to put everything smooth on its own. So when you're kind of learning and you're finding, he's trying to, to figure out, this is talking in this case, and this is talking in this case. That's how, so the sages are always combing God's hair, but it's only the hair coming from the head itself, which is the mitzvah. They go out, which they are which from them bursts forward and comes out the light from the whiteness Galgalta of the of the skull. which are the mitzvahs themselves, they're called pathways. Like it says, we find it this till now he was talking about Zohar, Zoharic terms. Now he's finding it in scripture in Pasuk. like it says in Psalms, all the pathways of Havaya of What is it talking about? It's talking about the pathways are referring to these pathways of the skull. Or another verse, I gaze at your pathways. And that's why the sages say, that's why the sages say, that you can't have a reward of a mitzvah in this world because how can you facilitate? <laughs> how can that reveal itself in this world? Because the actual act of the mitzvah, the root of it above in the spiritual dynamics, is in the whiteness of the skull. The Erech Anpin, which is infinite, boundless, and the mitzvah itself is the skull itself. To get anything from there, you can only get through a hair. So the Torah you can experience in this world. And more than that, the reward of the Torah also comes in this world. Adam Eichel Perisein says about one of Talmud Torah. You eat your some of it in this world. So there is Torah because Torah is already a symptom. It's already a contraction. It's already here. The mitzvah is the is, is the thing itself, not from the here. From there, it can't can be revealed. It's only revealed through the letters of the Torah. Shemafar Shemaisim that explain them. Kanal. 
that's only called the hair. Which is the essence of the whiteness. We'll turn over the page to page 220. The Galgalta, the Galgolas, that can't be revealed at all. That remains makif, that remains above and encompassing. That's why the reward of the mitzvah is not at all within this world. And that's why it explains in that moment. No eye can ever behold this light. But nevertheless, here he says the most unexpected thing. I guarantee you this is unexpected. I guarantee you this is a curveball for any person that learns the mind. Any person would not have thought that this is what he would say. Achefes could tell you a little bit is revealed of this essence of the skull itself. And something and an example of it is revealed. You know, when Baalm in the world illuminates and reveals itself and is drawn, at least in the upper world, from that whiteness and even comes down into this world. You know when? Every Shabbos in the morning. And that's in the Kiddush, um, the Kiddush Chalas that you have Shabbos by day. <laughs> so when you talk about your sourdough, how do you like it? Huh? The, the, the 12 Chalas of Shabbos day. The 12 Chalas. Now, it's referring to the 12 Lechem Panim in the Beis Amidosh, there were the 12 breads, but Tzadikim used to, Apikabali is supposed to have 12 Chalas. So if you come to Mayan, you see always in front when I make Kiddush, there's 12, there's, there's 12, there's maybe more, but there's a bowl of Chalas, but we have a short 12. These are the 12 breads. It's the meal of Atika. That means it's capturing. Within it somehow is invited Atika, which is the innermost of the crown that's being revealed down here. It explains elsewhere and where it says in, in, in the song that we sing, Shabbos by day, Asada Lasudasa, we say Yagalalan Tam, he will reveal to us the reason, the Besreisaname of the 12 breads. So the Arizal was singing about it because he knew he's <laughs> the Arizal, you know, he wasn't eating chalas. He was he, <laughs> he was tapping the 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 the, the Golgolas itself, the reward of the mitzvah. It's basically the world can't facilitate the reward of the mitzvah, but a little bit is and something and some what isn't the chalas of uh, now I will open the bag, the, the 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 brown cardboard bag or whatever it is with a whole different uh, energy. Maybe we should shake. Maybe we should save it for Shabbos day. <laughs> Shabbos morning by the chalas, not in the dominating. He doesn't say this. Yeah. So that's like the essence of the mitzvah. That's the why because the, during the week we do the mitzvahs, and where when are they elevated above on Shabbos? So when do they cause the pleasure? In other words, that whole pleasure element, which is in the crown, the will, the mitzvah satisfied on Shabbos. Like Hashem commanded and we and we did his will. So that's like that registers on Shabbos. And it's revealed on Shabbos. And see, but the pleasure is much higher than the joy. The joy happens in a lower, in a lower place. It happens in the Bina element. But the pleasure itself is in Keser. And that pleasure, that's called Oinek Shabbos, the delight of Shabbos. Okay, then let's read a little further. 
Now Aaron is from Aaron. That's picture worthy, I see. <laughs> now Aaron was. See, I teach Hasidus. But what I'm dealing with over here when I teach Hasidus is basically only the hair. My wife sits at home and she makes the chalas. She's tapping the essence. And then I try to tell her that I'm doing something more because I'm teaching Thursday night. Doesn't come close to her. She's in the kitchen. She's making the chalas themselves, not the, the hair, the explanations of it. See, Michi, we're a bunch of losers. Oh. <laughs> okay, we're good too. Aaron is from the seven shepherds. Kiyadu, as it is known. That means he, he, he's, he's one of the souls that need to nurture the Jewish people. And what does he nurture? And what does it mean? A, just like we take from a, 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 a earthy uh, shepherd, that shepherds in the physical world. Obviously, he's a spiritual shepherd, but that we'll, we'll, we'll understand it by first analyzing what is a physical shepherd. He takes his flock and he feeds them and he sustains them. Now he doesn't make them chalas. He goes out to the fields with his grass and he allows them to graze. He just brings them to the right pasture land. That's the idea of the shepherd. The pranos is not his own. He gives them the grass that's in the field. Who's Aaron Koyengadol? The high priest, physically, he was a human being. We can see him dressed up in a certain way. But his soul was a huge soul. And what does it mean? I knew a Kohen, in general, we have to understand something. Kohen is our people of love. The energy of a Kohen is love. That's why Kohanim are given the blessing, the mitzvah to bless the Jewish people. Because to give a blessing, you have to love a person. And they actually state that they're doing it with love. Kohanim are called the Urim Vitumim, the, the, which is this week's in the parsha, the, the, the special uh, parchment that went in the breastplate that, was, that would bring down divine um, communication and, and divine answers from above. Um, it says it was placed to your man of kindness. So a Kohen is a man of kindness. But there's two levels, and which kindness and love is the same energy. Okay, kindness and love. But in, in that itself, there's double. There's a regular Kohen and there's a Kohen Gadol, which means in love, there's two levels of love. There's containable love and there's uncontainable love. There is worldly love, which means which could be fit into a vessel of any container, any create created entity. And there is divine love, which is infinite. Our own is a channel of infinite love. That's why he's the Kohen. He's not just the Kohen. He's the Kohen Gadol. He's the great Kohen. And he is the Wi-Fi for love. Think about that. When a Kohen would come into the temple or the serve over there, it would create a Wi-Fi. And people that would come to the temple would experience love to God. The spirituality of all the people who lived in Jerusalem or anybody coming within a certain way picked up on that Wi-Fi and felt love to God. And just the mere fact that the Kohen is alive in the world, especially the Kohen Gadol, it's a, it's a projector of divine love. Shenikra, and, and that's a reason why he's also called, Aaron was buried on a special place called 
Horahor. He was he was buried on a on a mountain on top of another mountain. That's why it's called the Torah tells us where Aaron was buried on Horahor, because Har is love. A mountain is love. Why is mountain love? Because just like love is a just like love uh, sorry just like a mountain is a protrusion of earth. Yeah, flat land, and suddenly the earth protrudes outward, upward. And that's the that's the so to love is a protrusion of yourself. You love somebody, so you're you're extending yourself to them. You're you're not so that's like a protrusion that's called a mount. Ordinary love is a regular mount. But super love is a mountain on top of a mountain. Two levels of love. That's why Aaron, who's not just love, he's a super, he's even greater than Abraham. Avram Avinu is a regular mountain. That's why Avram called the base of Midrash mountain, Bahar Hashem Yerah. And in the name Avraham, you have the word Har. Avram is a Har, is a mountain. And Aaron is also a mountain. But Aaron is not just a mountain, he's a mountain on mountain. He's a super love. Who do we say that Avram Avinu is? Avram called the unique, the base of English called the mountain. It's just that we don't refer to it like that. We choose Yaakov Avinu's uh, version, which he called it a house, more settled. Now, if you take a look at the word Aaron, you have a mountain in his name. The middle two letters of Aaron's name is Har, because yeah, he, he's, he's a mountain of love. What are the other letters in the name Aaron? What are the other letters? Aleph. So here, and, and also the letter Nun, a long Nun. So he's going to explain. Aaron the Aleph Shaboya. What's the Aleph that's in his name? He's connected to this supernal whiteness of the skull. What the Rebbe is going to do now, the Alter Rebbe, is he's showing us that Aaron's neshama is plugged into that place where all our mitzvahs are sent up to. Where the mitzvahs go all the way, all the way, all the way up, 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 up. And the essence of the mitzvah is in the skull of God, which represents the, the idea of the chivris of the Erechant. This infinite light, Aaron's neshama plugs into that place. And that's why he has an Aleph in his name. Aleph is that level, Aleph is Keter. Because the word Aleph, if you rearrange the letters, first of all, it's Aleph, a thousand. And Keser is called a thousand because Natsilos um, are hundreds and Keser is, is the thousand. Also, the word Aleph, if you rearrange the letters, you get Pele. Pele means a wonder. So what do you wonder about? You wonder, you wonder about something that's above your head. The skull is above your head. Keter is above your head. And that's the reason, yeah. Which he draws down from the Gagalta, from the Gogolas of Erechan, Pashanikra Al. And what is that referred to? And how is Kesar is referred to? Alufay Shal Oilam, the chief of the world. But particularly when it says Oilam over here, God is referred to the chief of the world. But in this case, it's not referring to the power in creation, but the Aluf of which world? Atsilus. It's the Aluf. He's beyond Atsilus. He's the energy flow in Atsilus. Aluf The whole world of Atsilus, which is called Atsilus because it's Netzal, was emanated. So he is the power that flows in that world, which is Kesar, which is the infinite light that's still prior to Atsilus. Who taps that light? Aaron has that Aleph in his name. 
That means Aaron has that infinity burning in him or shining in him or illuminating in him. That's what he's got a lot of passion, a lot of fire in him. He's got a lot of mountain. He's got a heart. And he's a distributor of love. How does he distribute the love? He channels that olive. He channels it. He, 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 he captures that olive and then he channels it down with love. And therefore it creates love by anybody who meets him. You can't help love our own because he's a, he's a super attractive being because he's tapping that infinite light that's exuberant or that's illuminating from his eyes and from his being. But he's also attracting people to God. That's why what was Aaron's job? He reached to the lowest people, people that had no, as the Altar Rebbe explains, people that had no other quality other than their creations. You can't say anything about them other than this is, the only quality I have is that God made them. Or other than that, you wonder, like, what, what's their, what do they have to show? Nothing. And yet Aaron, he was, even them, he brought them close to Torah. He was an incredible attraction because he's the energy of love. Why? Because his neshama shines that infinite light. How can you say no to that infinite light? There's, there's nothing, there's, you can't resist it. You're faced with that power. He's a super channel. That's the idea. Aaron is an incredible channel. Now, how, now, the Aleph, and so not like this. He himself, the middle of the word Aaron is the mountain. He's the love. But where is he taking the love from? Where is it? What is he channeling? Where is it? It's coming from the Aleph, from the infinite, from the light of Kesser. Where is it going to? The Nun. The Nun is a very long letter. And it goes down, 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 down. That's referring to Malchus. And it's referring to the, the Malchus as it becomes a source for the creation. It enters into time and space all the way down into this world till we have a Kohen in this world who can ignite the souls of people that generally are unignitable. So you want to wonder, like, you think about the Rebbe standing there Sunday dollars having every type of person walk by and every person he ignites them with a spiritual light. Every person he fires up their soul. Because he's Aro. He's a, he's a tzaddik. It's not just Aro that lived then. He's the Kohen Gadol. And he drew this light all the way down to Malchus of Atzilus. That's the long nun. That descends downward. Abchnes Lamata Mata goes all the way down. stated elsewhere. Just, and that's why he's called the shepherd, because he, he nurtures his flock. But, 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 but this sustenance that he gives them is not his own. He brings the light and the shefa from the chivrisa, from that whiteness. He brings it down to illuminate the Jewish people. So he's illuminating the Jewish people. But when he's illuminating the Jewish people, what does that mean? What does he mean? It's it's us. He creates, soon we'll see later. He creates within us tremendous love to God, powerful love. He awakens the soul. But Neiris is also mitzvahs. What does that mean? He takes the mitzvah from being a dry physical action and he connects the mitzvah to its spiritual origins in Kesar. He creates that, that, that he is the conductor that, because a mitzvah is like at the, a mitzvah is at the two most extreme ends of, of existence. On the one end, in terms of the physical mitzvah, it's a physical action. It's much lower than Torah. Torah at least is an idea. 
It's a concept. A mitzvah is a physical activity. It is the lowest of the law, meaning low in the law in the sense that it is the most material. It's, I mean, it's not lower than other material things, but it's not better than anything material. It's a, it's a physical action. On the other hand, it's, 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 it's energy. It's spiritual source. Where does God want it from? From which level? From higher even than the here, the, the Torah, the, 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 from, from the Ain Sof, literally, from the Kesar itself, before it made any adjustment to the creation. So how do you communicate between this physical mitzvah and that lofty source? That's Aaron's Nisham. Ba'alois chesaneres. He illuminates our mitzvahs. Sha'a mitzvahs nikrenedois. Kamashukasa kineer mitzvah. The neer mitzvah. Vayamadlik behena oirva chayos. He lit in them the light and the chayos. He allows you to experience in the mitzvah the shorish of the mitzvah. And when you feel the shorish of the mitzvah in the mitzvah, and the mitzvah isn't difficult, the mitzvah isn't hard, the mitzvah calls it, you actually only dance when you do a mitzvah. You're ignited with such soul, with such energy, with such happiness. Even though there's no, you can't really experience in this world the reward of the mitzvah. That's that it should materialize into a physical ple- a physical reward. In your divine service, you can experience the joy, the divine joy. A, a ray of the of of the of the illumination of this vast infinite light, somewhat of it, through the power of Aaron, the high priest, can shine down on the person doing the mitzvah and give the person a little. A little touch of that, of that, of that beyond. And it can reveal itself even today's days. Aaron through the power of Aaron, Shanikra's Roya, who's called the shepherd. Shazano he he feeds us, he sustains us with spiritual light. And as a result of that, he creates our love for God and our joy in being a Jew and doing a mitzvah. This is the real idea of joy of a The real joy of a mitzvah is basically experience, your soul experiences the root of the mitzvah, which is infinite light. And that creates this incredible joy. God is upset at us that we're not doing mitzvahs with joy. This is a sign that we're able to. Which joy? The joy from above. How? Because of the Kohen was, is able to give us that joy. It's this whiteness. The joy is a revelation of the light from the supernal whiteness. Which is the innermost of the supernal delight. And where does it register? It's really coming from a beyond Bina. It's coming from Keter. But the place where the Simcha is revealed is... Is in Bina. But because of Eimabanim Semecha, the mother of the children rejoices. Kanal the Sibas Asimcha and the and the reason, the cause of the joy. Now, so why is the mitzvah really giving God this great sensation? Remember, we spoke earlier that the idea of a mitzvah is to release a spark, because that's the joy. When the joy itself and the pleasure that God has from the mitzvah is that from something that was so far from Him was now returned to him. 
when we, when we take the material, physical world and do the mitzvah. So it's not, so the physical action of the mitzvah now, we can understand how it connects to that spiritual source of this boundless pleasure, because that's the pleasure itself. That's something that was very far from God is being returned to. Um, the, the, the cause of the joy it's the newness of Allah of elevating the sparks of holiness and that's why this is also seen in the idea of lighting the lamps because when you're lighting the lamps what are you doing? the lamp is the mitzvah what's happening is that the, the, the oil and the, the wick it's it's being consumed. It's being burnt up. It's it's expiring in the fire. So what does that mean? And that's the idea of a spark being elevated. You're basically seeing the oil. It's 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 actually tr it's going up into the fire. It's becoming. It's released from its earlier. It was inside the wick, the oil. It's a, and now it's like dissolving into the fire. It's when the wick was getting burnt up. So it's interesting, the sparks he associates with the wick, not so much the oil. The oil we'll talk about later, but the wick itself is getting burnt up. So now, so what is Aaron then achieving? Aaron is doing two things. Remember we said he's the escort. He helps the sparks go up, but he also helps the, when the spark goes up and it, re, and it creates this enormous joy by God, Aaron helps that joy come down to us so that we can rejoice in the mitzvah we did. So he's both an ele, he's, he, he's elevating and also channeling. So these are the two things that Eshkan Beis Madreig is echot when is elevation. When you will elevate the lamps. And that we do outside of the partition, like we spoke earlier. That's in a world that still needs to be connected from its disconnect state. Outside of the partition. In order to bring all these sparks of holiness, the of the 288 sparks, he converts them, he brings them from from the three lower worlds. He's bringing them up to Atsilos. And afterwards, and once the sparks are now elevated and reunited in the world of Atsilus, he named it Meshav Atsilus Amru by Atsilus. In the world of Atsilus, there's no separation. Atsilus, he and the world are one. He and everything in Atsilus is completely unified. He and his energies, these are the lights of Atsilus, which means and the the vessels, the containers of Atsilus. He's completely one with them. So once he elevated the spark up into Atsilus, so now Aaron, Aaron, who's also called the great Kohen, now takes another role. Instead of elevating, he becomes a channeler. He channels. Because Kohen is Chesed. Chesed energy is a downward energy. It's, 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 it's like water, it's flowing down. So he's downloading the pleasure back into the creation. So which the root of chesed of atzilus is in the supernal whiteness of keser, I know. The root of the body of the mitzvah itself, which then 
this turns into the great joy of the mitzvah canal. Because when the spark reunites with its source, it releases this incredible explosion of joy. First of pleasure, and from the pleasure comes down the joy. And from there, he channels it down. It's the second level. In this case, Aaron is a channeler. That's why Aaron is called the shame That's why it's called an escort. It's like the, the manner of the of the escort. What does the escort do? The escort brings the kala to the chas. How come the kala is the one bringing the? I'm sorry. How come the? How can the escort bring the kala to the to the groom? It must be that this escort has a relationship with the groom. It's almost like he's sending his his guy, his people to pick her up. They're comfortable by him. They know him. They're his friends. He sends his friends to kind of acclimate her so she can bring her to him. So the idea, as he explains, is Aaron, he's, he's, he's rooted in this place of the mitzvahs, of the source of the mitzvahs. But now we're bringing the physical spark up to its, that place. Not the physical. The spark, which it was contained in the physical world. So Aaron, who's a man of up there, he can lead the spark in because he's close to the king. It's going to be an example of people that are have like a, a, an incredible anxiety. They can't come to the king. They're terrified. They're scared. So there's special people there that are close to the king. Excuse me. Close to the king. And they're able to like encourage those people and bring them in and help them escort them in because they, they're more comfortable with being by the king. <clears throat> As he explains, <speaking in Hebrew> they're able to bring the kala, the bride, to the groom. Because <speaking in Hebrew> they're close to the chas. <speaking in Hebrew> by way of analogy, someone who's close to the king <speaking in Hebrew> can bring other people into the chamber of the king. Anybody that is shy and is intimidated or fears to go into the chamber of the king, the tzadach sad and needs an assister, an assistance, the azer and someone an encouragement to bring him in. And this person who's already close to the king, can bring him in. Because he always goes into the chamber of the king. So I left a voice note for Mrs. Rachel Duchman, who's sitting Shiva. I was reading this, and the first person I thought of was her father, JJ Rabbi JJ Hecht. Everybody was terrified to go close to the Rebbe. Rabbi JJ Hecht had such a closeness, such a like the Rebbe was so like open with him and so like close. And they, they had such a enjoyed a very unique relationship. And when people would be uncomfortable, J.J. Hecht can go in and bring them in because he has a certain, he too had fear. I tell you about that much, but still. So I told her because her mother, she's sitting shit after her mother. Being, I said that her mother was married to her father and her father was a Makura of Elamelech. I said, I literally learned in the, the Altar of his Mimer that there are people who are called, they are from the Hecha Lamelech and they can, they can bring others in that others would never be able to go there without the Hecha. It's a very big schutz. They ain't boish klal, and they're not embarrassed anymore because they're being helped out by this.
person who's close to the king. The I'm sorry, he, this person is not embarrassed or not ashamed because he's considered of the king's, the king's people, the king's chamber. So it is the Shushvin above Aaron, Aaron Kahana Rabba. He's Aaron, the great Kohen. He's so close to God. He's rooted in the chesed element of Atik Yoimin. So he can bring the sparks of the mitzvahs up to that place. He descends from there to go help with the escort. So he goes down to help with the elevation of the sparks. Sheba Malchus, that are in Malchus, Nisa, that's called the, the Queen, Canal. And why is he able to bring them in? He's able to have them enter and to be, elevate them, to bring them up into the emanator, and he can do the second thing, he can draw down, he can move things in and move things out. He can take the, the radiance that's taking place in that, in that level and reveal it downward which is the joy of the mitzvah canal. That's the way he, so he channels the joy of the mitzvah. So he enables us to, the, the great delight that's and pleasure and joy that's happening above, some of it should trickle down and should bring the person that's doing the mitzvah into the state of ecstatic joy. But he also, not only does he bring joy, he also brings love, as we spoke earlier. He's a Wi-Fi for love. He brings also down love, two things. He also does those two things. First of all, he helps us experience our own love. That's called the lower mountain. Remember we said Aaron is two mountains? He helps us achieve our own love, which is us. He, that's called elevating. But then after we elevate as high as we can elevate, he channels down divine love into our soul. So we start, we feel not just our love to God, but we feel God's love for us through our own. Um, and what does that do? That intensifies our love a millionfold. Literally, it, it exponentially grows the love. So just like it is with joy of the mitzvah, it's also with the love. And here too, you have these two functions, elevating and channeling. He evokes, so again, earlier we're talking about what he does for the mitzvah. Because remember we said lamps can either mean mitzvahs or they can mean the soul. So in terms of the mitzvah, he brings the joy of, first of all, he, he enables the spark to go up. And he brings the joy that happens above down. In terms of the souls of Israel called lamps, he invigorates them with love. And he also bestows love from above onto their love. And enables them to feel a divine love. Same idea. He brings out our love in the Jewish people. That we should be able to go up. That's the meaning of elevating. He also draws down and channels this great vast love into the ensemble of Israel. Mipchinis lavnunis from the supernal whiteness, Haniskalel that we mentioned earlier. In the Kachnikra Aaron, he's called Aaron. Aleph is the source from where he's drawing down all the way low, 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 low into the nun that goes all the way down. That's why he's called the escort of the queen, Dafka. Because he's, he's impacting us, elevating us, and channeling to us. But he's not one of us. That's what he's saying. He's not one of us. He's from the king's people. 
We are from the other side of the, of the, of the partition. He's not, he's from the other side. Because he's more comfortable in there, he can lead us in. So his job is to lead us in, but he's not one of us. That's important. That's also when it comes to a tzaddik. We've got to realize that a tzaddik is not just the best of us. He's a complete different being. He's from the other side. He's a divine being in this world. That's a tzaddik. He's not a regular human being. And because he's so close to God, he's, he's one of the members of the palace. He's able to escort us into into, into the deepest connections, Tashem. It is root. It's from the Netzach element. Because we know that a regular Kohen is in Chesed. The Kohen Gadol is in Chachma, but in Chachma itself, he's in the Netzach element of Chachma. Sheshar Shai, which each root itself, even on a higher level, it's from the Chesed of Atik Yomen, of the Ancient of Days, which is the pure. The Bey Ochet Abba, that's where Chachma is unified with. And Aaron and reaches up all the way into that place. And he is the one who bestows upon us in Cheshomet. This machine that is now functioning for the last two, three hours is basically shutting down. And so we will learn till here. We're going to next week, we're going to understand why two things. What does it mean that he pours the oil into the lamps? What is the function of the oil? Amazing explanation of the function of the oil. To help the lamps burn. And then also what is Moshe, and why the oil really, even though Aaron is the one who does it, but he can't do it himself, he gets it from Moshe. They got to bring, so we have to we'll find out what Moshe's function in all of this is. And through this, we understand the dynamics of our ability to really have a unbelievable, fulfilled spiritual experience of Judaism. Not a dry, robotic kind of something, but full of life and joy and love and energy and so on and so forth. Secrets of the Torah are good.